Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us tonight. We begin with breaking news out of Surrey this evening. Two separate crashes causing traffic backups. Officers, officers called to 88th Ave and King George Boulevard just before 3 o'clock this afternoon where one vehicle had caught fire. Police say it all began at nearby 80th Avenue where there was a minor crash. A driver allegedly fled the scene. Heading north on King George, two other vehicles were hit, causing one of them to burst into flames. A child in a car seat and a parent were in the vehicle that caught fire. They were taken to hospital with minor injuries. A driver was taken into custody. Alcohol is thought to be a factor in the crash. Meantime, the intersection of 104th Avenue and Wally Boulevard is closed after the driver of a truck lost control and slammed into a power pole, causing a power outage in the area. The pole ended up across the roadway. Police believe it will be some time before the route is reopened as they wait for hydro crews to deal with the outage and remove the pole. They're asked to avoid the area for now. There's no word on the cause of this crash. The big dig out happening in Hope today after the district was walloped by winter. Heavy snow had been falling since Thursday and by the time it was all over, up to 77 centimeters of snow had blanketed the community. People in hope spending this last weekend of 2017 digging their way clear of deep snowdrifts that appeared overnight. Our Nadia Stewart joins us now live from Hope, where she spent the day. Nadia, how are people there coping? Uh, well, I think this kind of sums it up. They're digging out. Look at this. There's, there is... I swear there's a car underneath here and really everywhere you look around Hope, this is what you see. Cars buried under just so much snow after they've been dumped on for the last several days. But neighbor helping neighbor, they've been able to dig themselves out. Although there is some frustration tonight that the district hasn't been doing enough. An arsenal of bobcats attack a mountain of snow in Hope, part of a relentless effort to dig out from the latest wintry blast started about 9, yeah, about 9 p.m. Boxing Day. And? And it hasn't quit. Some of the roads are plowed. Uh, they're making it pretty good, but deeper in town, it's getting pretty rough. Over the last few days, it's been nearly impossible to keep up. We tried to keep everything here shoveled, and it just kept snowing, and now it's getting heavy, and so I'm really glad he's here. Neighbor jumping in to help neighbor. Anybody I can, I just helped to dug out a lady who got stuck. Though some residents raising concerns on social media, the district didn't act quickly enough to clear snow-clogged streets. It's quite difficult for a lot of people to walk around, you know, because uh, most of the streets are not uh, completely uh, looked after, you know. But with the volume of snow that came down in such a short amount of time... My husband's car was totally covered, you couldn't even see it. Last night I woke up and my car was gone. I thought we had a lot last year. This stops it. Most are taking it all in stride. Good old Mother Nature. I have no idea what to expect anymore. Yeah. We prepare for the worst. 
Yeah, prepare for the worst and brace yourselves because winter has only just begun. Folks here are hoping uh, that the district will be able to, now that it has stopped snowing, uh, get a handle on the rest of the side streets and sidewalks that have yet to be cleared. Back to you, Jeff. All right, thanks, Nadia. That is Nadia Stewart for us this evening in Hope. And no shortage of goodwill and hope last night. A viewer posting cell phone footage on social media of the driver of one car literally pushing another vehicle up a hill as thick snow fell. Elsewhere in the Fraser Valley, the weather story was ice. Up to 50 millimeters of freezing rain have fallen on Mission, Abbotsford and Langley since Thursday, bringing, down, bringing trees down on homes and power lines. Homes and businesses were in the dark, numbering the tens of thousands. Jill Bennett has the latest. People in many parts of the Fraser Valley woke up to this. Trees fully encased in ice, power lines down, and for tens of thousands of people, no power at all. Mayhem for, I guess, I don't know, two days now. Um, we were uh, without power for a day and a half now. It's noisy at night hearing branches fall off trees and seeing uh, flashes um, as trees hit power lines. It's, it's like we're in a war zone almost. Hydro crews have been working around the clock. At the height of the ice storms, power was knocked out to about 120,000 homes. We did have significant challenges for our crews as a result of this storm, including icy roads, black ice, as well as visibility issues. This did hamper some efforts during the night last night as we had to pare back our efforts in order to keep our crews safe. The ice also damaged two substations in Abbotsford, making repairs even more difficult. In Mission, in addition to the ice, a water main break. Forcing some residents from their homes, an emergency warming room was set up at the local rec centre. They said they would get me a place uh, with my dog for 48 hours, but that's 48 hours? That's great, but what do I do for the rest? I have no place to go after the 48 hours, no place at all. Langley and parts of Aldergrove also hit hard by the storms, with residents finding more old-fashioned ways to stay warm and charge the essentials. Charge it through the, uh, through the car. Yeah, only way to stay in touch right now. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Dies pretty quick. Environment Canada recorded 42 hours of freezing rain in Abbotsford with an accumulation of 40 to 50 millimetres of ice, making for dangerous driving conditions on many streets. But for the younger crowd, a much different take. When nature gives you ice make popsicles. Happy New Year! <laughs> Jill Bennett, Global News. And an Abbotsford family who may have been trying to keep warm by using their wood-burning fireplace will need to find somewhere else to stay for the next little while. That's after fire broke out at their home on Eagle Street at about 8.30 this morning. The damage was extensive to the chimney and the main wires connecting electricity to the home. Firefighters were able to put out the fire quickly, adding that it's been a trying couple of days for overworked crews. Uh, the Abbotsford Fire Rescue has responded to somewhere in the neighborhood of 350 to 400 calls in the last 48 hours. How have you been handling that? Uh, staff have been doing a great job. Uh, we've had all our crews out, uh, auxiliary and career, and just managing it the best we can. If you can stay home, stay home. It'd be really nice to keep you off the roads. There's a lot of down power lines, a lot of trees that are coming down, and still we've got a full day ahead of us. The interior hasn't escaped winter's wrath. Kelowna hit with 37 centimeters of snow, much to the delight of children on Christmas break and much to the chagrin of travelers. Jules Knox with Global Okanagan has that part of the story. Digging out, spinning out, and finally getting out. 
That is how many in the Okanagan spent their morning. Why am I not in Mexico? <laughs> Two storms since Thursday. The first setting a snowfall record, the second bringing another winter wallop. We had two uh, essentially low-pressure systems moving uh, that moved across BC, and each of them had uh, quite a bit of moisture with that. The snow is likely here to stay, although not everybody minds. What do you think of the snow? It's fun. Yeah. It's cold. <laughs> it's deep. Oh, I love it. Love the snow. More fun to play than work in, though, that's for sure. Uh, it doesn't do me any good. I don't ski or anything, so it can stay in the hills. At the airport, airlines adding extra flights to handle a passenger backlog. I didn't get an email that my flight was cancelled, but then I got four emails saying, your flight's changed 30 minutes, your flight's changed an hour, your flight's changed to three tenths. Bernice Baker's son also hit hard by cancellations and delays. So he didn't end up leaving here till almost two in the morning. And now he's stuck in Toronto because his flight there was uh, delayed. Heading into the new year, Environment Canada expects it to be chilly, but says you should catch a break from shoveling snow. What do you think about this shoveling? Uh, I like it. It's exercise too. There's no downfalls for me. Everything's good. Do you want more? I'm kind of good right now. Good. It's a nice snow level. Some people want the snow to stop. Do you agree? No. <laughs> and perhaps your take on that depends on your point of view. Jules Knox, Global News, Kelowna. Turning to other news in a candlelight vigil that will start in less than an hour in honor of two young sisters on Vancouver Island. People in Oak Bay are coming together tonight to remember six-year-old Chloe and four-year-old Aubrey. They were both found murdered Christmas Day in their father's apartment. Kristen Robinson reports. After a tough week in Oak Bay, first responders are setting the stage for a somber community vigil at Willows Beach. It's cut us to the core. Things like this don't happen every day in, in a community, thank goodness. On Christmas Day, police discovered an unthinkable crime in the sleepy Victoria suburb. Two young sisters, six-year-old Chloe and four-year-old Aubrey Berry, found murdered in the apartment of their father, 43-year-old Andrew Berry. He was taken to hospital with self-inflicted wounds, investigators not looking for any other suspects. There's no answers at all. Only clues in court documents, which reveal a custody dispute between the mother and father. Ultimately, a judge awarded joint custody, allowing the father to have the girls over Christmas. BC's representative for children and youth now collecting information about the girls and their parenting situation. Chloe and Aubrey were, I mean, like little girls, really silly, you know, and lots of laughs. This beach was a favorite spot for the sisters to come and play. It's here the community will gather in their grief. It's really made us come together and to, to want to reach out and touch each other because it's hurt us. It's, it's really been a tragic, tragic loss. Neighbors urged to lean on one another during this difficult time. Tonight's just the beginning of, of how we're going to help each other heal. It's going to be a long road. Kristen Robinson, Global News. It was a busy night for Burnaby firefighters, first dealing with a car that caught fire. An abandoned Nissan Altima was found on fire under the underpass at Willingdon and Still Creek just before 2 o'clock this morning. Crews put it out at about 2.30. There's no word on what sparked the fire. Burnaby RCMP have not commented if they believe the car was stolen or not. And 
around the same time they were putting out the car fire, firefighters were also called to a shed behind a fast food restaurant on Hastings, completely engulfed in flames. The wooden shed was filled with recycling. The blaze was knocked down in about an hour and a half. No one was hurt in what's being called a nuisance fire. And firefighters in Campbell River helped rescue two people yesterday when their car went off an embankment. The car plunged 60 feet down a steep bank near Roberts Lake Friday afternoon. Using rope rescue gear, it took fire crews two hours in poor weather to pull the driver and passenger from the car and up the slope. They were taken to hospital with minor injuries. It's believed poor road conditions caused the crash. Tensions in Iran have reached a boiling point after days of demonstrations throughout the country. It's part of the largest anti-government movement since 2009, and some major international leaders are weighing in, including U.S. President Donald Trump. On the streets of Iran's capital, days of public protest reached a boiling point not seen for nearly a decade. The kindling to this show of anger and desperation is a poor economy with few jobs and rising prices. Brewing unrest that drew the attention of President Trump's Twitter feed. Iranian government should respect their people's rights, including the right to express themselves. The world is watching, echoing the president's message delivered at the United Nations. The longest suffering victims of Iran's leaders are in fact its own people. The volatile conditions today moved many young people to demonstrate against the government spontaneously as word spread through social media posts. By contrast, a more organized and scheduled wave of pro-government support turned out to praise the supreme leader, Ayatollah Khamenei, as thousands back the regime. The U.S. designates Iran a state sponsor of terror. President Trump has refused to certify the Obama-era agreement to blunt Iran's nuclear program. This weekend's protest response is coordinated from the State Department. The United States strongly condemns the arrest of peaceful protesters. The White House press secretary, Iranian citizens fed up with the regime's corruption and its squandering of the nation's wealth to fund terrorism abroad. And the president tweeted excerpts of his United Nations address to amplify pressure and encourage other nations to aid protesters. That Iran's people are what their leaders fear the most. Neighbors gathered in New York City to pay their respects to the victims in this week's deadly apartment fire. Five children and seven adults lost their lives in the Bronx Thursday night. Officials say it's the deadliest New York residential fire in at least a quarter of a century. Investigators believe a three-year-old boy playing with a stove burner started the fire. New York City's mayor has warned the number of dead could increase as four fire victims are still in critical condition. As we count down the final hours of 2017, authorities around the world are working to make New Year's Eve celebrations safe for everyone. From Rome to Rio, Madrid to New York City, Police in cities around the world are working to keep New Year's Eve celebrations safe. In Berlin, workers spent Saturday setting up barriers around the Brandenburg Gate, where hundreds of thousands are expected to ring in the new year. Large bags and suitcases are banned from the event. I feel pretty safe. I'm not scared. Yeah, I'm not scared. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think the thing is fear that scares people, and I don't think you can't let that ruin your life. In Brazil, two million people are expected to attend a fireworks show on Rio's Copacabana Beach. 2,000 officers will watch over the festivities from surveillance towers. Tourists seemed more concerned about the weather than security. 
And we think it's going to be very, very busy with a lot of fun. And we hope it will not be raining um, tomorrow. In New York, keeping 2 million people safe Sunday night is the top priority for the NYPD. This is going to be one of the most well-policed, best-protected events at one of the safest venues in the entire world. This month, a would-be suicide bomber tried to set off a bomb in a walkway under Times Square. Now, all officers working New Year's Eve will have additional training with help in identifying would-be bombers, clearing crowds if they detect a threat, stopping the bomber with lethal force, treating the wounded if a bomb goes off. I can report at this time there are no direct credible threats to New York City, to Times Square specifically, or to any of our New Year's Eve events generally. Neither the threat of terrorism nor the brutal cold seem to lessen the crowds in Times Square Saturday. Yeah, I think we're just more aware of our surroundings, but it hasn't changed our activity, it didn't change our minds, and we truly believe in that if you see something, say something. Five, eight, seven. The countdown to the countdown is on. Now, just one day to go. Chris Pallone, NBC News, New York. Molson Coors Canada is recalling nearly 215,000 limited edition NHL beer glasses. According to Health Canada, there have been 11 reports of the glasses shattering while being hand-washed, resulting in eight injuries. Molson says the glasses were distributed during October and November in special edition cases of Molson Canadian and through an online offer where customers entered special codes from their beer cases to receive a glass. You can contact Molson Coors Canada for more information and for a replacement. As parts of our province are sitting in heavy snow, B.C. is practically a hot spot compared to the rest of Canada. From Alberta to Quebec, Environment Canada has issued extreme cold weather warnings. And that means brutally cold temperatures causing safety concerns and wreaking havoc on New Year's Eve plans. unusual sight at one of the country's most famous destinations, the freezing cold causing parts of Niagara Falls to freeze over. Meantime, the big Canada 150 celebration in Ottawa on New Year's Eve had to be scaled back because of the cold minus 28 degrees Celsius with the wind chill. Multiple, multiple performances had to be cancelled, leaving only the fireworks for people to take in. The extreme cold has taken its toll on Calgary as well. Outdoor New Year's Eve celebrations cancelled. With the wind chill, it's minus 40 degrees. And that's caused major problems at the airport where dozens of flights were either delayed or cancelled. This is where we live, so you just got to get out and enjoy it. And Fredericton is expected to stay below minus 20 with wind chill throughout the weekend. That's not stopping some people from enjoying the outdoors, these cross-country skiers. Dressed in layers, kept warm by sticking to the trails and out of the wind. I don't know if they're... Are they warm? Are they that actually Pierre warm? Harvey in Fredericton? <laughs> this guy looks like he knows what he's doing on those yeah. skis. Looking at all that, plus the raining has never looked so good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I agree. Okay. I agree. Well, it's been impressive in terms of the ice storm that we have seen. Uh, we've had a significant amount of snow, especially for eastern sections, stretching into the Fraser Valley. And adding that freezing rain, we've seen snow pellets. So here's a few of the numbers that we did uh, manage to get from Environment Canada. This were taken from Thursday all the way through today. Abbotsford, for 
for example, recorded 42 hours of freezing rain, which gave between 40 and up to 50 millimeters. Uh, Hope Slide, which is just southeast of Hope, saw 72 to 77 centimeters. Areas near Hope saw anywhere between 50 and 60 centimeters of snowfall. Agassiz impressive at 66, and those were driving along the sea to sky. Whistler was closer to 60 centimeters. So a significant amount of snow. There is a reprieve right now, but temperatures are going to be extremely cold for many areas across the province. I'll have your New Year's Eve forecast coming up very shortly. How about the hockey forecast? Uh, well, Canucks are going to try to ex- yeah, well, yeah, they're going to try to extend their win streak uh, to two, to two, right. because they play the uh, LA Kings tonight. Uh, so we'll hear from uh, Vancouver as they look to build off really one of their better performances of the year against Chicago. It'll be interesting to see if. Uh, at that line that scored all the goals the other day with uh, Besser and uh, Sam Gagne and uh, help me out the other guy, Vanek, uh, Thomas Vanek. <laughs> I've been off. Go. I've been sick. I can't remember all these parts. <laughs> so they had, what, 12 points the other day. So well, that's a couple. If they don't get 12 again tonight, then I think you've got to break them up. You know? <laughs> Just throw it in. That's enough. They had their run. Looking back now on the year that was here in B.C., and the affordable housing crisis only worsened in 2017. That was further compounded by the increasing cost of living on the West Coast. Aaron MacArthur breaks down the dollars and cents. We all know and we've all heard about the challenges in Vancouver. Market housing is off the charts, unaffordable. The word came up so often this year. You could be forgiven for tuning it out. Affordable housing. The affordability crisis. Affordable housing. Not only did two sitting premiers mention it, the mayor of Vancouver was consumed by it. We have a very persistent housing crisis. Affordable housing is in short supply. If the provincial federal government come to the table, then we can make it even more affordable. And yet affordability remains one of the most important issues facing British Columbians. Everything from housing to food to daycare is expensive and getting more expensive. And everyday British Columbians have had enough and let their voices be heard on more than one occasion. Anything I can afford is usually like a, probably a slumlord. People continue to go to great lengths to try to make their lives more affordable. Moving to the burbs. All right, come on, you guys. Or downsizing. Some people downsizing to the point where their home now sits on four wheels parked in front of the Home Depot. The prices now are so crazy that, uh, you know, it's impossible to own. As usual, it's the people on the margins facing the biggest challenges throughout the year. So many people don't have a roof over their head, let alone money to pay for rent. New numbers from the Greater Vancouver Food Bank suggest 27,000 people use their services. 22% of those, just children. My money goes to the rent, so I have no food. So it's important to us to have the food bank. The NDP government hasn't quite followed through on key campaign promises yet to make life more affordable. $10 a day daycare has yet to materialize, and the $400 rent subsidy seems a long way off. And while crossing a bridge is cheaper, the carbon tax is going up. While hydro rates are being frozen, income taxes for higher earners are going up. Small businesses are getting reduced taxes, but face the prospect of a much higher minimum wage. It's like running on a treadmill. It's really difficult to hire the, the people working. And the second is the, the cost is really expensive. While there are lots of issues with unaffordability in B.C., housing is still the key. Reduced rent, or at least a manageable mortgage payment, can make everything else a little easier to deal with. Yeah. <laughs> Cheers, Brendan. Mm-hmm. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. 
In Health Matters, many will be ringing in 2018 with a glass or two of bubbly. And there are some simple ways to start off the new year without a hangover. Experts at the Mayo Clinic say the only guaranteed way to prevent a hangover is to avoid alcohol. But if you do decide to have a couple of cocktails, be sure to eat before and during the time you're drinking. Also avoid having more than one alcoholic drink an hour and drink plenty of water to keep hydrated. Drink in moderation, know your limits, and of course, never drink and drive. The police officer found himself in a squirrely situation. Have a look. Squirrel got inside the house, managed to find the cookies. Police were called, and when they arrived, the officer's body cam captured the squirrel making a flying lunge. That's frightening. The animal was eventually released with no further harm done. What do you think he was lunging for, Yvonne? Just the cookies after. Maybe <laughs> the police officer had a cookie as well. Yeah, that too. Just to be inside, have some cookies, warm up a bit. Oh, too funny. All right, thanks, Jeff, and good evening, everyone. Now we've got a nice reprieve on the way for many, a break from the snow and the active weather that we've been seeing over the last little while and the freezing rain. It is going to be drawn, but very chilly, especially for overnight lows in many areas across the province. Temperatures out of the airport right now sitting at 1. We've got a light easterly wind at 9 kilometers per hour. The high today was closer to 4 degrees out of the airport. Average for this time of the year sits at 6. A record on this day was 11 degrees set back in 19. 97 and a record low of minus 16 set back in 1968. A very happy anniversary this evening to Michael and Marjorie Hoops from South Coquitla, South Surrey rather, celebrating 73 years. So congratulations to you both and I hope you've had a wonderful day. Back to the forecast and what we are tracking. Here's the big weather picture, some of the numbers and what we're going to see, especially for overnight lows. Here's some of the highs that we saw today with only minus 32 for areas near the Peace. Fort Nelson today at minus 37. We've got that cool Arctic air settling right across the province. Areas near Tradle today with minus 2. Kelowna and Kamloops with highs of minus 6 and minus 9. A glance at some of the current temperatures that we're seeing this evening with Prince George at minus 21. Areas near Whistler at minus 8, but you factor in the wind chill and this is what it feels like. The northeastern corners of the province is where we're seeing the extreme cold uh, warning that is in effect in the current conditions right now. Feeling closer to minus 44 for Fort Nelson. Terrace at minus 23 and areas near Whitehorse feeling like minus 36. We've got this Arctic high that is in place and will remain cool over the next little while, but it will keep us dry. The next weather maker, potential change on the way, will be on our Tuesday. Interior sections will also see a reprieve in dry conditions for your New Year's Eve and even leading into New Year's Day. A change on the way for the northern half of the province will be on Monday with the chance of the return for some shower activity. Extreme wind chill for the piece, feeling closer to minus 46. Tomorrow's high will be at minus 28 and then a reprieve on Monday, Tuesday. White horse with a high of minus 30, a mix of sun and cloud and remaining dry over the next three days. Areas along the coast could still see a chance for some isolated flurries tomorrow morning. Monday, Tuesday, it'll change back over to a chance of showers. Inland is overseeing the Arctic outflow warning. Caribou and Central Interior, minus 23, wind chill closer to minus 32. There is a bit of cloud cover inching in for the Columbia and Kootenai region, but remaining dry. New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, you'll see more cloud cover. Average for this time of the year sits at minus 
minus one. Thompson, Okanagan up to minus eight as the high for tomorrow. Reprieve from the snow and Whistler at minus five as the high. Plenty of sunshine for your New Year's Day. And across the island, we may see some more cloud cover for the northern and central sections for the morning hours, but a nice break on the way for the afternoon. A chance of showers or changes on the way across the south coast, but that'll be on our Tuesday. It'll hold off but for the overnight low for our New Year's Eve. We'll be just below the freezing mark. You will want to bundle up our New Year's Day sunny and dry with highs of three degrees. A chance of showers returning on our Tuesday onwards. Jeff? Thanks, Yvonne. That doesn't sound too bad at all, relatively speaking, of course. Well, for some, it's a website that has all the answers. People use it for everything from searching recipes to how-to videos and online news. That's why every year, Google releases its list of top trending searches. Erica Vella of Global Toronto has what Canadians were most curious about in 2017. How do they name hurricanes was the top trending how question searched in Canada this year, which is no surprise after the number of natural disasters that happen over just a couple of months. Hurricane Harvey, Irma, Jose and Maria, just to name a few. Hurricane Irma was also the top trending search term, followed by newly engaged Meghan Markle and the late Tom Petty. As for the most popular why questions, curious Googlers searched why are NFL players protesting the national anthem? And why are flags in Canada at half-mast? Another popular why question? Kids know him as the friendly cartoon preschooler, but people scoured Google for answers to this popular question. Why doesn't Caillou have hair? After the allegations of sexual assault against prominent individuals in Hollywood, there's no wonder why names like Harvey Weinstein, Matt Lauer, and Kevin Spacey made it on the top list of trending people. 2017 has also been a year where many fans have been forced to say goodbye to their favorite artists. Google's list of top trending deaths and losses included names like Chris Cornell, Bill Paxton, and Gord Downey. And this year, new to Google's top trending lists, Memes. Memes about United Airlines. This after the controversial removal of one of its passengers. Donald Trump memes came second on that list. But first, after this appearance on Dr. Phil, well, the infamous Cash Me Outside memes could be found everywhere. Erica Bella, Global News. And welcome back, Barry. Mm-hmm. Sports. Yeah, well, maybe mm-hmm. things are looking up for the Canucks. Maybe the, the so? injury list could get uh, shorter okay. soon, possibly. That's what we're saying. That That's really making a commitment. <laughs> soon, possibly. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah, let's start with what happened before uh, today's optional skate this morning. Sven Berchi and Brandon Sutter were on the ice for a short session. That's promising. Both players still dealing with injuries. No timetable for their return. But you think it might be maybe just a couple of weeks now and not days, but a couple of weeks, which is certainly better than uh, mid-January, like they said. They also recalled Michael Chaput from Utica ahead of tonight's game versus the Kings. Vancouver looking to finish the year with back-to-back wins. Nick Dowd, who came over from L.A. recently, gets a chance to face his former team for the first time. Well, realistically, I spent almost eight years with that organization uh, through juniors, college, minors, and in the NHL. So... Yeah, I, I, uh, it's obviously a little different playing playing them compared to any other team. No, a, this is a it's a tough league, and it is guys they want to win. They play hard. Uh, you hope as a coach that your team really loves winning and loves playing the game with passion. And uh, when you do, when you love playing, and you've got passion, your compete level is usually pretty high. 
Canada took a couple of uh, dumb penalties that helped the USA mount the comeback in their 4-3 win over Canada outdoors yesterday at the World Juniors. The only positive about that, better to uh, blow that lead in the preliminary round rather than the gold medal game. Despite the shootout loss, Canada could still clinch their group with a win over Denmark tonight, and that should make their path to the gold medal game a little easier. The Danes outscored 13-1 in their first two games. So this should be a walk for Canada, and right on cue, they open the scoring Four minutes in, Taylor Radish to Robert Thomas, who squeezes it through uh, the Danish goalkeeper, one nothing Canada. And then later in the first, former Penticton V, Dante Fabro, who's uh, healthy now. Didn't play in the exhibition games because of injury, but he gets it through to the front of the net. Brett Howden's got an empty netter there to make it 2 nothing. And then in the final minute, similar play, this time Sam Steele with a tap-in from the crease, 3 nothing after one. Second period on the power play, Kale McCarr. Very good offensive defenseman, snapping it home to make it 4 nothing Canada. And then moments later, Cal Foote with the point shot tipped in front by Howden for his second of the night, fourth of the tournament, 5 nothing Canada as they get ready to play the third period. So well on their way to clinching first in their group. Also today, Elias Pettersson continues to shine for the Swedes as they took on Switzerland. Looking for the setup here, but gets a break. Swiss defender tips it into his own net. It's Pedersen's goal, second of the tourney. Now, that was a fortunate bounce. This next one is not. Check out the dangle show here by Pedersen around the Swiss defense. And very impressive. Leads the tournament with four goals, two assists, and three games. So, Canuck fans, you should be excited about this crafty Swede. That was an incredible play there. Swedes are perfect 3-0. Finland, Slovakia. Finns in the same group as Canada in the U.S. Canucks first-rounder Oli Yolevi with a nice heads-up play here. Sets up the go-ahead goal by Apelli Rasanen. 2-1 Finns after two. And then Marcus Nurmi puts it away as the Finns win 5-2. So they're 2-1. Finland completes the round robin tomorrow against the Americans, a win, and they would likely finish second in the pool ahead of the USA. Spengler Cup semifinal from Switzerland. Canada taking on Mountfield HK, a club team from the Czech Republic. It was 3-1 Canada until Michael Dragoon scores shorthanded to cut to lead the 3-2 after two. But in the third, Canada regains the two-goal lead. Zach Boychuk, nice play in front to sweep that one in. That made it 4-2. And then in the late going, former Canuck Maxime Lapierre wins the faceoff, and Maxime Norneau with the bank shot into the empty netter. Lapierre had three assists. Canada wins 5-2. They take on Team Switzerland in the final tomorrow at 3 a.m. our time, if you want to stay up and watch that. Back to the NHL. It was the uh, Bruins and the Senators. Boston with a very good young team, currently in a playoff spot in the East. And Ryan Spooner scores here on the power play to give Boston a one nothing lead after one. And they really added to the lead in the second. Spooner with the block, races past the D-man, and this is a nice deke here on Condon. Spooner with his second and third of the season tonight. He's from Ottawa. Bruins lead at 5 nothing late in the third. There are still three playoff spots up for grabs as the NFL regular season concludes tomorrow. Two in the AFC, one in the NFC. The Seahawks are in the chase for that NFC spot. It's a simple scenario. Seahawks have to beat the Cardinals at CenturyLink and then hope Carolina can beat the Falcons in Atlanta. It's quite simple yet kind of complicated, just like Chanel in the red zone.
A win on Sunday and the Cardinals would salvage the season to finish at 500. Last week, Arizona shut out the hapless New York Giants. They have alternated wins and losses for six straight weeks. In fact, the Cards have not won two games in a row all season. They are 30th when it comes to the run and 27th in scoring. And they've turned the ball over 22 times, putting them in the bottom six overall. Larry Fitzgerald is coming off a big game, nine catches, 119 yards, and a touchdown. Back in Week 10 versus Seattle, Fitzgerald had a game-high 10 receptions and 113 yards. Now, interesting stat here with Fitzgerald. He has just one touchdown versus Seattle since 2012. After giving up 72 points in the last two games, the defense stepped up and played lights out versus the Cowboys, holding them to just 12 points to go along with four sacks and a couple of interceptions, including one return for a touchdown. Now, Seattle did hold Arizona to just 16 points earlier this season, but remember the defense looked much different back then. Russell Wilson has played well over his career versus the Cards, 6-4-1, 19 touchdowns to just four interceptions. Now he's coming off a lackluster game, throwing for just 93 yards, but did find the end zone twice. Expect Wilson to rise to the occasion for this one. Seattle is a nine-point favorite, but has actually lost its last two versus Arizona at CenturyLink Field. This program is brought to you by Mr. Lube, Canada's number one quick lube, now offering same-day tire services. No appointment needed. Listen, when you pull in on the rich English Premiership, Manchester United versus uh, Southampton. Southampton with an early chance. James Ward-Prowse with the shot, but David De Gea just gets a fingertip on that one to deflected away. Scary moment in the first. Romelu Lukaku, who's been excellent this year for United. The clash of heads there. He was down for several minutes. Had to be taken off on a stretcher. If he has a concussion, he'll have to miss at least six days as per league rule. And United played twice in that span during the busy holiday season. So not a good sign for United fans. Second half, another chance for Southampton. Shane Long with the shot. But De Gea with the huge kick save to deflect it up and over the bar. 80th minute, United believe they have scored. The ball does enter the net, Paul Pogba, but oh, the flag is up. It's offside, no goal. Third straight draw for United, nil-nil the final. So Chelsea with an opportunity to move past United into second, taking on Stoke, didn't take long, three minutes in. Antonio Rudiger with the header to the corner, 1-0 Blues. Six minutes later, this is spectacular. Danny Drinkwater loading up, firing at home to the top of the net. 2-0 Chelsea, and the barrage continues. It's Pedro. What finish? 3-0 at that point, 4-0 the final, and with the three points, Chelsea hop over Man United into second place, but they are still 13 back of first place City who play tomorrow. And we've got Liverpool and Leicester City, third minute. Visitors strike first. Jamie Vardy always seems to a score against Liverpool. Does it again here. 1-0 Foxes at the half. But in the 52nd, Liverpool equalize and it's their man, Mohamed Salah, who has been in top form all year. Shows it here. Incredible poise and patience. Ties it up. 1-1. Beautiful back heel there by Sadio Mane. And then in the 76th, James Milner with a similar cheeky play. 
to Salah, who was just lethal. 17 EPA goals now in 21 matches. Liverpool come back to win 2-1, and they are a solid fourth in the standings. Judith Gishon's five-year term as BC's lieutenant governor ended last month. She'll be remembered for making history during what was undoubtedly the most dramatic period in the province's political history. As Kristen Robinson reports, she's had a special vice-regal aide by her side in her final months at Government House. A ceremonial start to the holiday open house. Welcome to Christmas caroling at Government House. Sitting at the Lieutenant Governor's feet and tailing that grand entrance, loyal servant Olive, the Honorable Judith Gishon's sidekick. She is a wonderful greeter dog. A month before the 29th Lieutenant Governor made history by deciding BC's political fate following a non-confidence vote which saw Christy Clark's Liberals defeated. Premier of British... Government House welcomed its vice-regal greeter. Fortunately for us, her forte is her friendliness. That friendly nature cut Olive's previous career short. The Yellow Lab failed BC and Alberta guide dog school, but ended up landing the perfect gig. She went on to a higher calling in, in uh, her position. <laughs> when the two-year-old is not breaking the ice with guests, she carries her weight at Government House, including her master's purse. Take it, take it to Rachel. <laughs> well, not today. And the newspaper. <laughs> oh, good girl. Bring it here. <laughs> Again, not seen here. But who can blame her? When your best friend is outside the door, it's time for active diplomacy. <laughs> Aside from playing around, Olive feels most comfortable around children. When there's children around, she has to go and greet them. If people are feeling stiff or awkward, it just makes everybody um, feel more comfortable and everybody relaxes when she arrives. Olive grateful for events like this, because when you're a vice-regal dog, it's sometimes lonely in the ballroom. Kristen Robinson, Global News.